TG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks for checking out our year-round carnival podcast. It had to be Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift weekend in Melbourne. She's now going to Sydney and that was a cruel summer on Saturday if you're in the quaddy and watching Jimmy Star get rolled after the magnificent work of the stars like Imperatrees and Riff Rocket and Fangirl Audio, of course, of course, courtesy of Racing.com and Sky Racing. Let's have a look at it all on the weekend. It was fabulous days racing with Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Ralphie. Yes, Paul. I'm going to call him St. Paul now. He's finally, you know, after well, how many years, seven, eight years, he's just found that right song, bang. Now, now you're talking about Paul Gardner, our third, our yes. third year, but of course, yep. yeah, I'm going to pull up my hand. It's my fault. I'll put all that old music in. <laughs> well, I, look, don't get me wrong. Sometimes your music's good, but when it sort of <laughs> tends to be in the 50s now, it gets a bit concerning. But I'm very, very happy with this week's play of the music. It was a sensational way to kick off this session. Well, you'd be a fan of Taylor Swift. She's a billionaire. That's a good start. Very smart lady. (laughs) (laughs) Just happy to pick up the crumbs. That's all we can do. You you didn't find Macram at 350 to 1 on Betfair? Who? (laughs) Macram, the horse who rolled Jimmy Star, my goodness. Well, I'm sure when we're going to talk about that, we can give some big insights because I had a, a pretty deep dive with someone yesterday about this particular race and that particular horse so i'm happy to talk about it when you feel it's right well you know what it's our podcast we can still we can talk about it any order we want and i uh-huh. think that actually was the talking point of the weekend as good as fangirl was as good as imperatories was how the hell does a dollar 20 shot get rolled by a 300 to one shot officially i think it was 100 to one in macram let's jump jump into it now vince race night at flemington the how the hell did that happen handicap <laughs> Yes, well, first of all, thank goodness for me in terms of you know the strategy, and we talked about it in a little bit of detail in one of the podcasts last week, that it's all about the $1.30 a place. If you don't get there, you don't play. Now, mind you, if I could have got a $1.30, I would have made some money, but of course, wouldn't you be disappointed not winning because it was back like 
I'm not going to say far left, but at least the, the next coming of some superstar, right? <laughs> and, well, and, and fair enough too. No, well, here's a, so a couple of things. We uh, on the Sunday morning update podcast. I just I said to you, it's one thing to to try and say how short a horse could be, but but a market's buy and sell. There was nothing there logically that would beat it. So you know you, you've got to see who's going to be another on the other side of the bet. What I would add to it though, since it's crazy short price was I think nowadays, particularly with sports betting vins, which is so ubiquitous and the corporate bookmakers have all these multi-products and people are now used to taking multis, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, wherever. Once all those so-called good things, Switzerland, Fangirl, particularly in Imperatrice, there would have been so many multis going into uh, Jimmy Starr that that would have made the $1.50 shot, the $1.20 shot or whatever it ended up starting. Yep. Yeah, fair, that, fair so enough. So compressed too. it further. I understand. That's, yep. This is the game, right? Yep. But more important, yeah, more importantly, let's talk about the breakdown. There's a couple of important, this is again, form student life lessons, I'm going to sort of bracket it as. Yep. And the understanding about two things. This one's going to be the first one, Jimmy Starr, and the insight that we're going to be able to break out. And then the second one will be Imperatories when we get to it. But let's start with Jimmy Starr and bring some clarity to the table. First of all, for the horse leading into the race, had an IVR figure of plus 1.8 leading into this race. New PB, that was at Caulfield on the on the third of the second, over 1,400 metres. We look at the breakdown of the race, it was 0.6 above benchmark first section, 2.9 above between the eight and the four. A stunning, in my view, last 400 of 6.3 above. Everything screaming that this horse is realistically headed in one distance, in one direction, upwards, right? And then you apply the race matrix in terms of stress testing, getting some insight about where is it uh, sort of trending towards, and the, and the matrix was indicating it's rock solid 1.5. So all things were leading to another leap of performance. But we have to also be realistic. It still ain't no plus five or six or six lengths above. So it still has work to do to get to that level. But in this stable, lightly raced, all these things are before it. And it was marked like it was that sort of horse, right? Yeah. Of course, with some consideration taking about a field that was very even outside of that horse's, you know, future potential. But then when we look at the breakdown of the race, and this is the essence of it all here, is let, let's look at this. First section, Craig William goes out and the horse is going three lengths above benchmark. Let, let's get some clarity around that mindset. Obviously, because all riders are human, there's no robots there. Yep. He would no doubt be going out there with the view that he's clearly superior to his competition. And with that comes technically some possibilities of a different mindset about how you're going to handle your runner. Well, I can put it anywhere. So the first thing he does, he wants to own the front. I'm not saying it's a bad move, it's not a big field. Hard to get in the lanes, potentially, even though some horses got there, including the winner. Does make a difference, and we'll touch on that as well. Yep. But that's stage one. The second step, and this was a rider inefficiency here. He went for the slowdown. It's not 
typical of Craig Williams, but he went for it. Eight to the four, dropped 4.4 lengths. Not good. Not good. And then, just to back that up, the horse then was able to maintain its speed after the slowdown. In other words, it, it rebounded, found about another point eight of a length, three quarters of a length, and finished off closer to the inside and therefore allowed a couple of things to take place. Number one, had this horse not wanted to own the front and take a sit, looking at all the technicals of the data, there was clear signals that this race would have been run two lengths slower. Okay, what does that mean? Well, two lengths slower makes it a hell of a lot harder to take advantage of the lanes because of the way you've got to spring into into that wide section when you're not a big field. And it also closes the gap on the sprint over the last three or 400 metres because when you now look at the winner who's going 2.2 lengths below benchmark, what a great place to be, right, off that pace. Yep. Gets into the lanes and produces a 3.1 benchmark last 200. And from all the years, well, I haven't been doing lanes for 40 years, but <laughs> in the last decade, I have enough intel to clearly stamp that the variable swing in terms of the lane position. And, of course, I might be out by half a length, but you need to add at least 1.5 lengths. Now, the NPS margin... Metres per second, yep very important, says or indicates the gap 1.3 lengths from the winner to the second horse. Now, let's say Craig would have taken a little bit, say, you know what, this is a good competitive race. Maybe I don't have the edge. Or maybe I'm a little bit flat from the start before. Bang. (laughs) There's there's the key word I want to talk to you more about. Right. So this is part of it, right? You're ridden two lengths slower there's a high probability there's no slowdown because Macram's gone 2.2 below, 0.8 above, 3.3 last 400. I mean, energy efficiency A1. So bringing all this together and knowing that you've had to concede a four-length slowdown and brought everybody else into the race and given your competitors some significant advantages, well, what it does is a couple of things. Number one, he obviously wasn't the standout that they thought he was. That's the first thing. That's not detracting from the horse's potential to still rise, but that's the first thing. The second part is, unfortunately, it was an inefficient ride in terms of the use of the energy, and that was highly probable of one of two key factors of its demise. Of course, the other one was there has to be the possibility of a flatness that's got to come into play because that horse had gone from 9.8 lengths below benchmark first section at Cranbourne. Okay, it was 70 days earlier, but he'd never gone really much faster than about uh, minus three. And all of a sudden, running with high speed. Or, I mean, it was nearly 10 lengths above benchmark combined raw speed at Caulfield. That has an impact. And unfortunately, it came to bear on the weekend. And still nearly won. Yeah, well, that, that, that's right. 
So we're throwing Savannah Cloud into the mix here as well and mm-hmm. before we get in deeper about the flatness side of things. Yep. Savannah Cloud also had that slowdown. So it, it was a negative, but it wasn't an impossible negative because otherwise Savannah Cloud runs 10th. Well, yes. So he's, now let's look about Savannah Cloud. Half length, less energy. Yep. Usage. And then another length, less slowdown. That's a one and a half lengths, Ralphie. Yeah. So it already had a one and a half lengths advantage on Jimmy Starr. Still couldn't beat it. That's it. So that's that's starting point. So secondly, is there a flatness situation? I'm going to bring up a horse's name here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll put it in my work. I just said I didn't think it would be flat, but he couldn't say it wouldn't happen. That That's all I'm saying, right? So because – and there's these – what do we call it? Signposts, I suppose, of some of the past masters like Mark Reed and Dominic Byrne and so forth who – you know, let's say whatever tools were available in the in the seventies and eighties, they were so far ahead of the rest of the of the of the group. How were they able to use some of the uh, fundamentals and make it work for them? Well, I'm sure I remember hearing someone talk about Mark Reed saying about the monster first up uh, PB. You got to be careful of flatness second up. Now this horse produced a monster PB last start and asked to back up two weeks later. Well, the you're adding an element of data, but what I'm also saying is then there's also an old-time fundamental which has pretty much came to the fore. Uh, Well, to some extent, that's correct. To some extent. I'm not going to say fully, and the reason is this. The horse still ran second. Absolutely. the biggest contributor, like if you had to put a percentage on it, it has to be a swing of around 80-20. 80% of it was because of the inefficiency of the ride. Yeah, it was the energy distribution. You, you you just don't have that capacity right now under that structure. You just don't have it. So, secondly, the horse I want to bring up is Zaki. June two thousand twenty-one, he uh, he wins. So uh, May two thousand twenty-one wins the uh, the Doombin Cup by eight lengths, seven seven lengths officially. I've got it here now. And we thought this is the next superstar of Australian racing. Now it became an outlier. He then won again and. He, he comes to Randwick on September and he wins first up off just a short break, to June to September break. And we thought, wow, this this really is. This is Frankton. And then he sort of scrambles home at Sandown. And I remember you, he was $1.18. I've got all the info in front of me. And you said, I've started doing some work about this bounce theory. Yeah. When you produce a monster run off a shortish break, so less, you know, say I'll pick a number, 50 to 80 days, just got to be a bit careful because – and this Sandown win says that maybe maybe he, that's as good as he can go. Next start, he gets beaten at $1.28. Then we saw the same thing with Nature Strip. When he gets off the plane from Mascot last year, I think it was, uh, sorry, year before, and uh, and he's dynamic at Randwick. That's it. That's his, uh, He never. He actually never recovered from there. No. So I'm not saying this will never happen, but I'm saying this was a 70-day break. So I'm just keen any thoughts there about that bounce situation. Well, the bounce theory – is definitely one one element as well, but <laughs> here's the thing, Ralphie. The <sighs> when we look at all these technicals, the one over this is the one overarching one for me, right? Is I look at the stable because the stables, yeah. you know, they're, they're lethal. They are yeah. lethal. They defy what's impossible. They defy it, right? And Many times I've taken on that stable and it hasn't worked out the best for me, right? <laughs> because for whatever reason, you know, the advancement of their skills, the way they 
you know, go through their modus of operandus on a day-to-day basis and how they place things and do things. They're just lethal. So it's one of these big challenges. But we do also have to overarch as well. When you talk about, like, let's say, Nature Strip and and Zaki, Nature Strip slightly to a lesser extent because I'm with you. He came back from overseas. He never come good anymore and they it was racing at much higher level right and zaki could almost uh, be in the same bracket as nature strips in terms of a higher level than this field but ultimately the bounce theory has to come into play and it still just comes back people may not like it business is business that ride was had inefficiency of energy and it hurts there's a, there's a final thing I want to add now, and I've really only just thought about it. Where, where was this horse after he won at Caulfield? What was the big hoo ha? He's, he's straight into the All Star Mile field, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there, the one, and it was niggling at me. So in the end, yes, I, oh, I've, you know, as you said, you could have some discipline about your punning, but I take a quaddie, I have a bite, one out. So be it. Okay. But what was niggling at me is this they've booked Craig Williams. That's, sorry, they, they've decided to run it. Just two weeks later, and there's still another run before the All-Star Mile. Now, if it's qualified for the All-Star Mile, why was it in this field instead of, say, in the Futurity this week? Yep. So, you know, you're always trying to put in, we say it all the time, trainer's intent, but you put Craig Williams on. Now, if you put Craig Williams on, Craig Williams does what Craig Williams wants to do. If you want the horse ridden dead cold, put it out the back and tell a rider that's going to need future rides for your stables, if you go forward on this horse, you'll never ride for us again. Well, Craig Williams won't care about that, <laughs> but but a lesser, you know, a, say let's say a second tier rider, uh, he'll do exactly as he's told. Craig so, Williams in the All Star Mile. Craig Williams is riding Mr. Brightside. He didn't care about what's going to happen in the All Star Mile. He cared about winning on Saturday. So whether he got it right or wrong, the point being, he was he was only going to say to go forward. I'll go forward and win this race on a horse that's too good, and I don't care about keeping the ride in the All Star Mile because I've already got Mr. Brightside. Yeah, well, that that's that's uh, that's understandable. Do do you feel? Did that? Do you reckon that was a stable tactic to go to the front and lead? No, no. I'm saying that if you want a, if you want a yeah, horse yeah, ridden dead cold, put on a jockey who'll listen to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I found one yesterday with a horse called Response, one in 2010, and uh, Maddie Ellerton trained it, won the oh, Rupert Clark Stakes Group One. And Craig, it had never gone forward. Craig Williams goes to the front, and Matty Ellen, after it wins, says, I was headless when he went to the front. Bart Cummings was headless about Glenn Bosco to the front, and so you think the, the good riders decide to go on the day. You know, we see it with Jamie Carr, we see it with Hugh Bowman, sort of, I'll be Boston. They make the decision. Anyway, that, the other final part I want to say is Vince, Macram's never gone this good in his entire Australian career. Yes, well, now let's look at Macram <laughs> as, as a runner. The reality is unbelievable, right, in terms of it. We've got to attribute, well, at least a length and a half to the lanes, right, yep. for this horse. But a, f- a fantastic return. They should be, you know, like over the moon from a stable point of view to make this sort of resumption. And, well, I sit, I sit back here and say, okay, well, just definitely put your hand up that you're going to be, as they say, if you're a good stayer, you need to be able to sprint well fresh. This horse definitely did that. Now, of course, it's all going to get back down to 
where is this horse going to be at next start or in two starts from now? And is it because of that victory this horse is always going to be a lot shorter? Well, it's going to definitely be a lot shorter than 150, right? <laughs> is it going to be a lot shorter than what it's worthy of? There we go. All right, let's leave that aside. The three superstar mares, we'll say females, Taylor Swift, Imperatrice, and Fangirl. Let's go on the last two, Imperatrice on Sunday. Now, Vince, we did our preview podcast on Friday, our deep dive. This week, we're going to do Caulfield, by the way. If you want to get our big preview into Caulfield, we'll throw in the Hobart Villain Rosell as well. But what a day. Blue Diamond Day, Futurity, Oakley Plate. Deep dive on the Friday, and then on Sunday, we just talked business. And on Sunday, when we just spoke business about Imperatrice, obviously, a lot of the t- t- discussion was the plain uh, Cranbourne trial. This is what you had to say about its trial. There was two possibilities. You look at that trial, my observation, based on the data, it became a real race late. They didn't want to participate. A lot of other people that may have seen the trial, they don't have the luxury of knowing what's happened. A lot of people don't have the luxury of knowing what's happened under the clock. Firstly, the race was out by more than a second, which is very misleading for people not knowing, you know, what do you do, right? That's that, that's a big gap, Ralphie, right? And the second part is, I can tell you right now, between inside the 350 to the 100 metre mark, that turned into a dead set race. And for a moment, I thought Bella Nipotino was Piero, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the horse was heading towards a sub-10-3 last 200 metres. I mean, that just shows you how much intensity was sparked into the race. Now that you've given me that confirmation that we're back into the tightening, I know that there's nothing wrong with the horse because if this horse drifted dramatically, then something's come out of the stable. And Vince, uh, it was pretty clear to you, and then watch the market where the big players, they weren't going to take notice of that trial. Yeah, well, sorry, well, they weren't going to take notice as far as it being a negative for Imperatrice as well. Yeah, well, I guess there's some influence that comes out on that, doesn't it? Which is interesting, right, about life journey and, and preparation, preparing and putting work in, a body of work in, and not just relying on your eye either, right? Because I'd been very silent of listening to what anyone had to say about this horse because, quite frankly, I had nothing turned on right, until race morning, right, so I don't know what people are saying, and that's not to, you know, demise anyone's thinking. You do you. Yeah, I'll be, man, like I did go on the radio on Friday with Dave Stanley, and I made it clear that there was an abundance of speed put in, we talked about it in the podcast, right, but the reality was, this was Dave Stanley's words, not my words, he said, must be smoke and mirrors, because everybody thought there's big issues around the trial, Okay, so this is all about hard work, preparation, going through all the fundamentals and bringing clarity to a whole set of things. Now, I know, I clocked that race myself personally, and when I see a split time that's sub 10.4 and a 400-metre split time as well that's under 11 seconds, right, this is from Melanie Patina as an example, right, it's hot in the kitchen. This is no walking matter. This is race pace, you know, brought into play very late in the trial slash jump out, right? And Imperatrice decided not to participate. Everyone thought, one, the trial was ordinary for everybody, and B, because Imperatrice dropped out, the view was that, and this is including the stable, 
was obviously they didn't know what to make of the trial because it looked lackluster. But the reality was there was super intensity. And how I said to myself, how smart was the rider not to engage? I seen that as a massive plus. Now, Michael of, D's going to stay in the Sables good books. Yeah, yeah, of course. For yeah. me, I started thinking afterwards, well, hang on. Maybe there's something else dramatically wrong with the horse, right? Yep. But this is the illusion of the eye that can be come into play. B, not doing the additional body of work to get down and really have clarity around what really took place. Now, mind you, this race on Saturday is also a little bit of an illusion. Right, okay. So uh, let's 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 really get into this because Imperatrice and Private Eye, who never goes forward, oh, ironically, we're just speaking about uh, Jimmy Starr, but Blake Chin correctly assesses it, and it, it sort of looked like a compressed field and an espiona flies home, and you think, wow, how good did they really go? What did they? What did the data say about what happened there? Yeah. So let's let's talk about this. I I, I love this. I this is one of the essence of waking up every day and then having the opportunity. And I always say, I got to thank you, Ralph. You know that you you put years and years of effort, and and even Paul in more recent times since he's joined our clan, right? Because we started with the radio first about the week in, week out work that we do, the education that we provide. And this also provides a lot of learning skills for me to be able to utilise the work that we do and bring it out into real time, sometimes to our benefit and sometimes not to our benefit because I love to get everything perfectly right, but I don't, right? It's an exact science. Yeah. So here's this situation, right? Firstly, the ride. Of course, how smart was the rider? You're going to run up the middle of the track, what did we say in the pre- in the preview podcast? If they go up the middle, they're going to go slow. Yep. Right? That's the first thing. Did they go so, slow? Well, they went 1.2 lengths below benchmark. They, they've gone out with a bit of intensity, in my view, through the first 200, but then the big breaks came on. So, Shin knew if he went out the back, forget about it. He's got no hope of winning. None. Zero. Not even, in my view, probably wouldn't even place, right? Because yep. the 1,000 metres is too short. Not that the horse got not got the talent. But then that savage slowdown, and it is savage, Ralphie, from 1.2 to 5.3 below, right? <laughs> this this creates, is jamming the brakes on big yeah, time. This is jamming the brakes on and creating havoc, right? Yep. And compressing it to then reconvert it into a 400-metre sprint, which is what it was always going to be with a little bit of a, a tail spin to this because they've gone out, all got their position, said, right now we're slowing. And Blake Shin's trying to utilise tactics and almost, to some extent, didn't come too far from pulling it off, right? Yeah. And the, re- the reality was Private Eye 1.2 below, Imperatrice 1.5 below. In the mid, 5.1 lengths below for Imperatrice, 5.3 for Private Eye. So I look at the, the, uh, the break and you can see Private Eye, slightly bigger slowdown because it was the instigator of it, right? And then last 400, Imperatrice 5.3 lengths above benchmark versus Private Eye 4.7. And pretty much, I'd say almost held that gap right up to the finish line. But the big slowdown creates all the other horses to look 
they were like they were a lot more impressive than what they really were. I'm not I'm not denying that they still were weren't solid runs. They would have got a lot of benefit out of it, but the reality is it just made things look a lot tighter. Espiona obviously flashed home and looked you know pretty smart as well. But you have a look at that slowdown. It was only one length, Rolfie. So let me ask you this: only one length slowdown. Private Eye four point six length slowdown. Private Eye was five dollars. Espiona was twenty six dollars. I'm giving you a fifty dollar voucher that you have to have on the new market. Would you rather have it on Private Eye or Espiona? Twelve hundred meters, Flemington. Okay. Well, I don't know who else is in the race. No, no, on a matchup. On a matchup. On a matchup. Private Eye or Espiona today? Who would you rather? The the, the voucher expires <laughs> today. Who would you rather have it on? What price am I getting? Even money, private oh, or Espiona. Even money, I don't even bet even money. No, flip, flip, as in, as in, whoever beats who home, private I, or Espiona. Well, everything points to that you've got to be with private eye. I think that's. Uh, I think he's amazing odds now. I think. That, well, that's the reality, yeah, right? Absolutely, that, that's, that's the reality. If you're just talking about those two horses, because ultimately, private eye is going to be so much better at twelve hundred meters as well. So I remember working doing RSN about a decade ago or whenever Sham Express won the new market. Now, yes, I, I remember think, that. Yep. So Dominic Byrne, I was doing a segment with him. I don't know if I'd started with you yet or not. And he said the best way to win a new market is to give your horse the heart, the, far, the hardest possible run in the lightning stakes. And then th- that's what he thought uh, Danny O'Brien's tactic was with Sham Express before it won the new market. Uh, it was taking on Black Caviar and the lightning stakes. Didn't matter that it was taking on Black Caviar. Give it the best run possible. This could be the same thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Pride's come from that school and said and Blake Shin and they said, right, let's let's really right go up front. Doesn't matter if he blows out. We're here to run. But grand final raise the new market. I reckon this is perfect grand final leading. Yeah, I'll, 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 Ralphie. I'm talking about what their tactics was. No, 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 that's no. okay. I- it's too early for me to say yeah, this is, if, if this is going to be the ideal run into a yes. 1,200 metre. Because you've got that savage slowdown. That's right. So A bit uh, of a negative, right? Because that also takes a little bit of uh, luster out. See, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Obviously, you want to win the race. They, they yeah. definitely wanted to win. But if you're just looking for, you know, I just want to get that super fitness out of it, it's probably not a race where you would have got the greatest level of fitness out of it in terms of conditioning. Yeah. Because ultimately, it was a bit of a fart leg run. And yes, okay, you um, had, you know, good energy through the first 200 metres. Then we took a bludge for 400, you know, like as slow as we could. And then we tried to go for another kick. Well, you know, I'm sure there's going to be improvement, but they you know, I don't know, Ralphie, I'm just sitting back here saying they're great trainers, they can do all sorts of things, and it's not the best setup for 1,200 metres, but they're, they're classy horses, so oh, got lots we'll, of tools We'll, we'll preview there. it on the Friday. Yeah, that's <laughs> Okay, let's have a look at the Colts and Phillies. Riff Rocket, race seven, beat King Colorado, Verdad, Otago. You were swinging Saturday morning between Riff Rocket and Otago. Which way did you swing? Well, again... Were you happy or sad? No, very happy because I did back Riff Rocket. I, I, I found it very hard to separate. But again, Ralphie, being a form student, and maybe some people don't realise this, but when we do what you and I do, maybe it's not known. We don't script anything, do we, Ralphie? No, we just turn you, the you, mic around. You, 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 you turn up and whatever you put down about what we're going to talk about, I'm guided by you. But for me, and 
actually remember discussing this with Paul just prior to us having our session that I look forward to our discussion. Now, we only do it periodically. We don't do it every week, you know, the preview, right? But I look forward to it because it allows me to do an additional assessment. Plus, you've got to remember, Ralphie, whether you know it or not, you obviously got a lot of skill as well, right? You're, you're, you're a good operator and you understand horses. You do a lot of work. You understand the numbers that we use. And you made some very key communications on Otago, right? And I was sitting between the two, and I'm not governed by price, right? I don't sit there about the price saying, I'm going for this horse because of the price. I'm going for... Where's everything sit? Which one's got the better setup for today? And in the end, because of our work and our discussion on, on the Friday, then we had a, a brief talk on Saturday, and I was down to those two, and I said, let's go Riff Rocket. Let's go. And no surprise about the outcome. So he's produced a good figure. I think King Colorado was also good. I'll get you to match up the two. Yep. But it was set up by, <laughs> and I'll put this. This is what happens when you know, we spoke about Jimmy Starr or whatever Craig we wanted to do. This is when you got a locked-in plan without thinking. Now, hey, Fat Cat, oh. misses the start the week before. Let's put Craig Newton on who's aggressive. Right, great, in theory. But Ambassadorial, we spoke about the trial, about how huge it was. He's only got one pace, which is flat out. So then to go in and decide to lead on a seven-day backup, regardless of who's against you in the opposition – you're going to tank your horse out. Now, how, how fast did they go here? Yeah, well, this is the beauty, isn't it, Ralphie? Not only that, I mean, yeah, I love that part where you just said, now, how fast would they go? I mean, are you kidding me? 6.3 lengths above the big cat. Hey, <laughs> no, which I shouldn't call it the big cat because I actually feel this horse got some ability. That's but, from me. He didn't give it the chance to show its best. Now, I'm not complaining, oh, by the way, but this is what happens when you, when you lock yourself into a plan without looking at the opposition. Absolutely, and... Oh, and that's a new PB for the horse. Definitely out to break records in early speed. Three, at least three lengths, or close enough to three lengths faster than what it's ever done previously in its life early. What were they thinking? And that just ignited the race, right? Yeah. I mean, Ambassadorials run last. So it still goes to show what a great effort Hey. Fat Cat did right in the end, but ultimately this race was run at least three lengths faster because of that move. And Riff Rocket, who's won a derby, was fantastic over 1,800 metres. We, what we did discuss was Chris Wallers made it nice and easy for himself, uh, ran, ran with guineas, militarised, Flemington, Australian guineas, Riff Rocket, it was in two weeks' time. He had to come at a good level, and uh, and then he's ended up getting the perfect uh, race pattern for him because the leader's going berserk up front, and then they had to compound, and in that situation, you want to be on the big, strong closes. Yeah, for sure, Ralphie, and it was beautiful too. The last 400 metres was 4.7 lengths above benchmark. You just look at the exchange in speed. It was about 7.5 lengths, more than a, a second of quickening in 400 metres. I love it when I see that. Good energy as well through the first section, 0.4 lengths below benchmark. I would say borderline golden spot, right? Yep. Just borderline. But definitely if you take away those two front runners, it was A1. Like you could not have placed your horse better in that scenario. And it was fantastic to see. And 
I felt also demonstrated that it was better than this field in the end. I mean, I, I had that view in the race because I was just – Ortega was the one that I was trying to work out, okay, where are we really going here? But Riff Rocket had the riding on the wall and – they're probably going to race against each other in the future. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll no doubt uh, bring that apart. Let's uh, a quick word on the fillies. Now, Damien Lane's a, ho- a rider, we all, always say, doesn't mm-hmm. uh, doesn't go quickly unless he realises he's on a horse who just wants to go quickly. So he doesn't uh, he doesn't restrain it, lets, lets the horse flow along. Uh, how fast was Grinzinger Bell going in race six? Oh, I've got to talk about this one as well because we actually – I was having a discussion with someone about this – race as well yesterday, Ralphie, and eight lengths above benchmark. Now, here is the difference. And this was the highlight because sometimes, Ralphie, again, we do our work, we're form students, we're practicing, we share our thoughts, our views, our techniques, our skills, because for all of us, we just want to improve as players, right? Players of understanding the game and be just becoming better, right? And part of that is the exchange. So one of the things that was discussed yesterday with the person was just really franking the inefficiency of a ride and what a slowdown does, right? And may not do. Now, Damien Lane, unbelievable, right? He's gone plus eight. You know he's not the world best rider up front, right? So he's gone out. That must have been a clear intent. Let's go. And he did. But you know what? There was no slowdown, he kept driving the horse, right? He wanted to own the front. He stood there. He could have gone for a massive anchor drop. Now, the horse change of speed was there from eight lengths above benchmark to 2.3 lengths below benchmark. And you look at the mid-race squeeze, it's a 10.3 slowdown. But the horse kept slowing down. Yeah, right? so the difference between deterioration and intent is what you're saying. Correct. This is yeah. deterioration. Because if he had to put the anchors on, that slowdown would have gone from plus eight to minus eight, it would have been a whole new and ball it game. Off. It would exactly, Ralphie. So this is the variable spring and having the courage because it takes courage, right? Because you know you're going fast, Ralphie, right? Yep. You just know, right? And you got to, oh, I've got to slow down. And riders have been hopefully learning because I have no doubt you and I, Ralphie, you and I, we've been talking about slowdowns and the impact and what riders do and how inefficient that strategy is unless you're on a horse that's got panels on them, right? And I feel a whole lot of riders indirectly or directly have heard us communicate these type of things over and over and they've improved their game and there's a lot less of it going on. Well, I think in time with you, Tommy Berry is a good example of that. He used to be savage with it. Now yep. he, he, he lets horses flow. And uh, yeah, Damien Lane, he's just a freak. So good performance here, plus 0.5 above benchmark. Uh, I liked Molly Nickers on the day. We liked Molly Nickers. I would think this is a perfect run, but it just had such an outlier race shape. It's, it's sitting there eight, eight and a half lengths behind the uh, the leader after him. And it, it was only moderately away, so Ben Mellon pretty much had to take, its, take his medicine. Well, even if, yeah, that's right, Ralphie, even if you would just say take the second line of that race shape and go to the 6.6, the horse was still on the outer edge, right? It was seven. It was just, like, it's not easy to bring that ground back and then get victory. And you could see that the horse has had a real go. It's used everything it couldn't. There's no doubt that horse is going to improve tremendously off that run as well.
All right. Well, um, just a couple of listener member mm-hmm. questions, rather. I always send out an email to our members. I give them an opportunity to ask you a question. Uh, Vince, uh, just was one I over, a couple I overlooked. I'll just do a bit of homework here. Firstly, uh, Chris, Christopher, oh, what about this? Hi, Ralph. I had $2 by $2 on Markham at $150 based on Vince Acardi's speed map. I thought if they ran fast and ran very fast splits, he could run a place. Thanks, Vince. <laughs> Man, he is a genius. <laughs> it's, it's, oh well, this we give the information and it's up to you to decide. We don't tell you how to spend your money. From Troy, thrilled with private eyes, returned out to unwittingly lead, only lost by a head to a superstar. I reckon he's got a good win in this prep. How the numbers go, what improvement can we expect second up, presumably over 1,200. So, yeah, it's the new market. That will be his goal. We've discussed that. So, uh, so yeah, if he, uh, if he brings his new market best, he'll be in the race and we'll obviously preview that on the well, Friday. And then finish with Scott here as far as the Melbourne uh, form. Uh, why not see obvious about Jimmy? I was happy to look on him from that race. What are your thoughts on the run of Ginny Lala in the, right, in the last race? Is there a nice mare's race for her? So can you just touch on race 10, please? Yep. Where are we? So Ginny Lala was okay, first up. Here we go. And the oh. was flying along in front. Yep. Good, good, good pace. First section, 3.6 lengths above benchmark in the absolute golden spot to be able to get victory. And the reason why I say the golden spot is because they've increased the pace in the mid, right? Even though the leader was slowing, the reality was everybody else was ejecting, you know, plenty of pace into the race to get themselves into the winning position. Had a big See, how did this Declan Bates, Vince? We've been cheering him on and pride of Jenny. I mean, look at this last table here. He's, he's what, lost 0.8 of a length. Everything else, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, They've all had to do a massive in the mid-race. They were all in the wrong wrong spot, and he's in the right spot. Yeah, I just thought, beautiful. Absolutely yeah. perfect. And this is another runner that, in my view, you can only derive improvement from that. And where are you headed? Well, it's a benchmark performance, right? Yep. Which is great, right, under the circumstances. And looks set to how much better. I'm looking at the, the Intel... It's not unreasonable to say there's got to be another length coming. Therefore, more victory to come into the future. Let's. We've got time for one Randwick race. What we'll do, we'll put in a couple of the. Uh, there were some very nice performances at uh, at Randwick, so we'll do that as part of the members bonus. But of course, we will touch on the Apollo here, James McDonald. Quote here from the Racing New South Wales website, the Apollo Stakes. She's come back in beautiful order. Dare I say it, it'll take a good one to beat her this prep. It felt like I was on done deal in the derby again. Just slide up the rise and basically felt like an exhibition gallop for her. She's come back in great order. It was just a matter of getting her into a rhythm and she does the rest. Her work has been sensational. Her trials take her form lines apart from the champion mile after a hard run cox weight. That was her only glitch in her form and that wasn't really a glitch because it was a day with the track on fire. We couldn't make ground. Now, Vince, we talk about our work, about how we crystallised each other's thoughts having a chat. By Saturday morning, you just said, wait a minute, <laughs> this horse is too good for him. What, what did you end up approaching this race? Well, as it turned out, sometimes the week before, I couldn't get set. Maybe because I wasn't enough shekels being handed out, right? <laughs> On Saturday, $1.28, eh, you can have the dollar three, got it. I said, yeah. obviously, a lot more shekels. I was all in, all chips in. It was an A-grade bet. I, I made it very clear. If that ground's drawing, it was already G4 after race one. <laughs> What on earth is going on with communication from Ramwick? It's they're back to what they used to do in the eighties, nineties, and two thousand. The track's better than what it is. It's summer, and this is exactly what happened. So I was in 
in a high level of confidence. But the ride and the way this horse disposed of this competition was phenomenal. Didn't have a bit of a winx feel about it. Well, you said you said this is a mini winks when we yeah. uh, about four weeks ago we we uh, it was a pl- pl- plain weekend so we said let's talk about some good horses and you said this horse and and the and the point you wanted to make and we've said it since Catkins I reckon it was yep a decade ago older mares can keep improving when they're good yeah well have a, let's have a look at this run right seven point seven lengths below benchmark first section okay crazy. But you're inside the, the elastic band of six lengths, step one, right? Militarises 6.4 lengths below benchmark. That's the real handicap. You know, Fangirls had to give it about a length and a half head start, right? Yep. Between the eight and the four, here's the squeeze. Fangirls gone plus 11, well, almost a two-second squeeze, and militarised plus nine. Big squeeze as well. And then... Wow. Of course, in the lanes, of course, Ralphie, in the lanes, right? This is what makes me smile. Plus 5.3 last 400. Just a jet. A jet. This is The horse crushed the competition. That's actually a ride move. That's yeah. a ride move. The engagement say, I'm going to explode at this point in terms of the energy. And you can see the distribution of the energy from 31.6 to 34.1, right, in terms of how you distribute that energy. It's just gone bang, right, and won the race because of that. Because look at militarized. Between the four and the two, drop one. Fangirl just kept increasing the pace and then tailed off at the end because the, the race was over. Hey, we, we just did a little side bay. We spoke about how Riff Rocket Australian Guineas militarised Randwick Guineas. They both run exactly the same uh, IVR figure, 1.1. Yeah, it's just like the two winners, Fangirl of Imperatories. What did they both run, Ralphie? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Your mid threes and boom. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Fangirl lost a length last 200. More to come. Absolutely more to come, and oh, they! Oh, this is the Cox Plate horse, Ralphie. <laughs> well, we were in a bit of a coma last year on Cox Plate Day. Please, please. <laughs> so, so I reckon we could recover it. Um, all right, so she was fantastic <laughs> there. there. We've got a couple of members' questions about some yep. other races. That's enough for, for today as far as our main podcast. If you want to get our bonus podcast, because like I said, there were some little bits of nuggets there in uh, in, in uh, Rose Hill that we haven't, uh, in Rare Week rather, that we haven't uh, yet touched on. So if you want to become a member via our website, support the fact that we are corporate bookmaker ad-free. We're independent. We don't do this without our members. So hence, we make sure we give them a bit of a bonus. If you're a listed member, you still get best of the day sent to you each week as well as uh, opportunity to ask questions on a Sunday. So however you are a member, we appreciate your support there. And if you want to be Come part of our preview podcast this week for Caulfield. Super Saturday at Caulfield. Fantastic days racing. Go to the preview podcast there. The uh, link via my website. And if you're already a Daily Sectionals customer, there's a podcast-only top-up option. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening to Year Round Carnival. 